0: Lewis Clevins, podcasting from Northern California with our second in a series of drugs used to treat hypercortisolism. And this is also our second drug that works uh, inhibiting the adrenal production of cortisol. The drug is metyropone. It's not approved by the FDA. Uh, It was used in the 1950s in diagnostic testing of the adequacy of the pituitary adrenal axis and adrenal function and uh, shortly thereafter was employed in patients with hypercortisolism and has been used that way since. This drug works by inhibiting the enzyme 11-beta-hydroxylase and um, in doing so lowers cortisol production by the adrenal gland but it has no effect on ACTH and as a result ACTH levels rise during treatment And you can see side effects as a consequence of ACTH driving the production of some of the precursor hormones that are just in front of that enzymatic block. And we'll talk about those side effects and and, uh, what you have as a consequence of those uh, uh, hormone precursors in a moment. Just like ketoconazole, there have been a number of studies reporting the efficacy of this drug in various and sundry forms of hypercortisolism. In patients with Cushing's disease, most of the studies indicate that this drug is effective in normalizing urine-free cortisol excretion in 68 to 75% of patients. Usually it takes three to six months of therapy with escalating the dosage to achieve that normalization. I used to use this drug a lot, and uh, I I usually started at 250 milligrams three times a day, increased to 500 three times a day if needed, and rarely I had to go to 750 milligrams three times a day. And it works wonders. It's tremendous. Uh, It didn't normalize the cortisol in everybody, uh, and I found that the drug that's no longer available called aminoglutethamide. in combination with metyrapone, was two excellent drugs and I could normalize the urine cortisol in almost everybody with Cushing's disease when I had to use medical therapy. There have always been a couple of schools of thought on the use of this drug. Uh, one is to titrate the dose to achieve a normal urine cortisol. The other is to completely block cortisol production and then give steroids back. That's called the block and replace effect. I've tried both in my History of using this drug. Prefer the titration approach because when you give high doses of the drug, you're more likely to see some of the side effects of treatment. Some of those side effects include uh, in uh, women uh, acne and excessive hair growth, and male pattern baldness, and men baldness. And this is because some of those precursors are converted to androgens, so you get a hyperandrogenic state in response to treatment. Also, uh, one of the precursor hormones can act like a mineralocorticoid, causes a syndrome of apparent mineralocorticoid excess, similar to what you would see if you had excess mineralocorticoids. It technically is a mineralocorticoid, but it's apparent because it's not measured as aldosterone. And in these patients, when this happens, you can see low blood potassium, hypertension, and edema. I have to be frank with you and tell you that I didn't see many of those side effects in my practice and that's probably because I preferred to to uh, titrate the drug and use as low a doses as possible relative to other studies where they did the block and the replace. I don't use this drug any longer because there are better alternatives. Um, it was difficult to obtain for a long time, and you had to have a, an investigation on new drug application filed with the FDA to get the medication shipped to you. It would only send a month at a time. It was a real hassle to use it, so I sort of abandoned its use uh, many years ago. Some cancer centers do employ this drug primarily in patients with ectopic ACTH secretion due to pulmonary tumors, but um, that's Probably we most would see it used in this day and age, but uh, it'd be interesting to know. If any of you out there with Cushing's are taking Materipone at the present time, please write us and tell us how you're doing on treatment. Again, it's a great drug. I don't use it any longer because of newer alternatives, but uh, I'm glad it's still out there so that we have an alternative if, pa- if a patient doesn't tolerate one of the other more commonly used medications. So again, this is Dr. Lewis Blevins podcasting from Northern California. On behalf of Pituitary World News, have a wonderful evening.